0: Easter is the highest of holy days, but, but Christmas is, is getting us ready. It's kind of the, the prequel. I'm ringing. Anybody else hear me ringing? Yeah. All right. They'll work on it. Um, whew, well, thank you, worship team. It's good to have, I almost said Bubby, Nicholas. It's good to have Abby and Nicholas back. Welcome home. <laughs> and Pastor Nick, he's been gone for several weeks, but they've been gone much longer. It's good to have family back. It's a good time to celebrate family and celebrate Jesus being our older brother, right? He came and took on flesh so that he would be one of us. He would know what it's like to be human. I mean, that is probably the most profound idea ever, right? That the God of all creation, the infinite God, actually became a human and, and knows what it's like to experience pain, emotions, all the things we do as humans. It's incredible, right? There's no other religion that could have come up with that idea. Only God, because it's the truth. It's not just a religion. It's the truth of what really happened 2,000 years ago, that Jesus became a human. And I know, for me, the fact that Jesus is still, I know it sounds almost kind of weird, but Jesus is still the Son of God. He's still human. He's still 100% human, 100% God. He has no, he's not limited in any way. He limited himself, right? I, I love that Scripture says that, that he didn't consider equality with God something to cling to when he became a human, when he took the form of a baby, he let go of some things, but he still was God. He didn't stop being God, but all that authority and all that stuff, right? He had to figure out how to be a human and go through life as a human, and I love that. I love that everything that Jesus did is a model for us, right? It's a model for us that we can do the same things. We can't die for this, the world's sins, right? But everything that he did, we can do as far as... Oh, Hearing the Father and only saying what the Father says—all those things—I love it. It's so good. So this morning we're going to jump into the Christmas story. I call it the prequel to the Christmas story Um, because for me the Christmas story starts at Luke chapter two, verse one. Right? That's kind of that's what I read with my kids before we open presents on Christmas morning. We all come out, sit on the couch, and they get to see some of the presents wrapped and stuff. But before we do anything, we read the Christmas story, Luke chapter one, Luke chapter two, verse one. Right? but we're not going to do that. We're going to go into the prequel, which is Luke chapter 1. So if you want to get your Bibles ready, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. And um, just kind of going, just giving you context, right? The, the Christmas story, right? Um, the Old Testament, right? Very last book of the Bible of the Old Testament. Does anyone know the last book of the Old Testament? Sunday School Trivia. I got some Sunday School Trivia for you this morning. Malachi, right, or as some people think, I'm Italian, so I call Malachi the Italian prophet, Malachi, right, Malachi, um, the very last book in the Old Testament, um, was written over 400 years before we get the Gospels, so almost over 400 years, there's no prophets, there's no word of the Lord, there's no, um, there's no judge that God raises up, there's no um, there's no prophet to say this is what God is saying. So it's kind of a, a dry season where we get nothing written down in Scripture. And God's not speaking as far as, um, I don't know, you guys heard this before. In the Old Testament, when, when God wanted to talk to His people, He would come upon a prophet. He would come upon Moses. He would come upon one person. In fact, all throughout the Old Testament, you'll see that the Spirit of God, um, I'll use it, Samson, Right? Samson, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God would come on Samson, he'd get all this incredible strength, and he'd become like Hulk, right? The Incredible Hulk. And he would be able to do incredible things with his physical body. Um, He'd raise up judges, right? Uh, In the Old Testament, there's only one person at a time that would get the Holy Spirit, right? King Saul... Had the Holy Spirit. It says the Spirit of God departed from him and a distressing spirit came on him. And then David was raised, raised up to be the next king and so the Spirit of God came upon David, right? And so it's, it's one person at a time and then we see when Jesus comes and he dies on the cross and he resurrects, right? That veil is torn and Jesus says, it's actually I can breathe out my spirit on all flesh. Everyone can have the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look at how in the prequel, Luke chapter one, I call it the prequel, Luke chapter one, the prequel to the, the, the Christmas story, we're going to see that the Spirit of God begins to move on people again. 400 years of nothing, and all of a sudden now, the Spirit of God is moving, and it's coming upon people. And so I love hearing these things. I love reading it, and so we're going to do that this morning. Um, really quick, the, if you want to read the Christmas story, you're going to find it in Luke, that's where we're at, right? And in Matthew, um, Sunday school trivia. I, I, this is me. I just I geek out. I love knowing the information. Um, Matthew is kind of the context where it's written to the Jews and it's written um, about men primarily and all these different things. And so uh, when you get the, the Christmas story, um, you get one verse about Jesus' birthday. One verse. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 25 says Joseph did not know Mary until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That's it. One verse for the entire Christmas day. Um, then you get, so Matthew does a good job of giving us a lot of context, though. He gives us 48 verses before Jesus gets baptized. So you're getting the, the genealogy. You're going to get a little bit about uh, John the Baptist. So you get 48 verses, which is good, right? Before Jesus is baptized. So we're getting some context there. Mark, zero verses about Jesus' birth. No verses. He's the, he's, he's the one that he's like the cliff notes. And cliff notes doesn't even exist anymore, right? Everyone just uses. I don't know what they use now. Chat GPT. Um, <laughs> Cliff Notes, when I was in high school and college, it was a book that would like, if you want to know the big book, Cliff Notes was like the small version and you could just read it like in an hour and you would know the whole book. And so Mark is like the short little gospel that tells everything that's happen really short. So he just skips the whole birth of Jesus and we get eight verses before Jesus is baptized. So we get a little bit of something about John the Baptist before Jesus is baptized. John, I've said this before, the Gospel of John, he beats to his own drum, Right? He gives us barely any details about Mary, Joseph, genealogy. He doesn't say any of this, but he says some pretty cool, profound things, right? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was the Word of God. He's always eternally existed. And then in verse 14, it says this. This is your one verse you get about Christmas story. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's it. That's the whole Christmas story. That's all you get from the Gospel of John. Now, Luke... Luke, if you didn't know Luke, is, he's, he's a doctor, and so he likes details, and so he gives us a lot of information. Luke gives us 40 verses about Jesus' birthday. So you go from one verse to zero verses to one verse to 40 verses about Jesus' birthday, and you get 131 verses before Jesus is baptized. So Luke is writing details. He wants you to know. And so if you want to know the Christmas story, you can. You can go to Matthew, and you'll get a little bit about Joseph... Like I said, you get one verse about Mary, you get a lot about Joseph, and then you get in chapter 2, you get the wise men. So that's pretty cool. That's fun. Luke doesn't do that. So you do get part of the Christmas story in Matthew, but Luke, he's the one that gives us all these details. Another Sunday School trivia question. Out of all the authors of the New Testament, who wrote most of the New Testament? Paul. That's always been my answer. Paul. He wrote the most books. If you count up all the words and you count how many pages in your Bible, Luke has actually written more of the New Testament than Paul. Luke wrote Luke, right, the book, the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote Acts. Those two books make up 27.5% of the New Testament. Paul, I have it here, Paul wrote, no, 23% content-wise. So Luke is actually 27.5%. He writes more of the New Testament than Paul. But we all think Paul because he wrote more books. But Luke, does anyone know this? You'll find out if you've already turned to chapter 1, some of you might know. How many verses are in chapter 1? Someone tell me, look in your Bible. How many verses are in chapter 1? Someone's looking. 80. 80. 80 verses in just the first chapter. So this is Luke. He likes to give you details. I I love that because for me, we're 2,000 years later. If it wasn't for Luke, we wouldn't know all these details. And to me, these details matter, right? God is speaking. It's not just information. Sometimes I, I know I can read the Bible and maybe I'm just quoting all this information. It just seems like information. But I love that when I read the information, the details, God speaks fresh revelation to me. There's things that if Luke didn't write those details, I wouldn't be able to hear God speaking to me in a profound way through his written word. So I thank God for Luke, that he gives me these details. And so, really quick, I'm going to do a a real quick overview of chapter 1. Instead of reading all 80 verses, you can do it on your own. It's really good. i read through it a couple different times in different translations. I encourage you, this Christmas season... Can you read Luke and Matthew? Those are the two accounts of the Christmas story. I encourage you, do it. Whether you're doing an Advent devotional or not, it's just it's good practice for us as Christians to read the Christmas story. So I encourage you, now you know where it's at. Now you know some details, some context of those things. So I'm going to do a really quick overview of what I want to do this morning. I'm going to highlight just a few verses from Luke chapter 1, in those 80 verses. So Luke chapter 1, verse 15, Gabriel shows up to Zacharias who's John the Baptist's dad, Right, shows up to Zacharias and he says this, your son will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So you're getting a prophetic word from an angel and he's talking about someone getting filled with the Holy Spirit. As I said, it's been 400 years since an angel showed up. In fact, more Sunday School trivia you probably no one else in the room cares about, but I just love sharing it. The last time an angel spoke to a human being was a little over 400 years ago to another man named Zechariah, spelled with an E. Zechariah, which is one book before Malachi, Malachi, right? In the Old Testament, Zechariah is getting a word from the Lord from an angel. You can read it, uh, I think it's chapter 1, verse 14. They'll read it. It says, An angel came to Zechariah and said, and now he gets his whole prophetic word, right? And so I love all these little nuances, but they mean something, right? That God is in the details. And so Zechariah is getting a visit from an angel, Angel Gabriel, and he prophesies, Your son is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, while he's still in his mother's womb. And if you know the context, Zechariah is a priest. He's in the temple. He's a very old age, like Abraham in the Old Testament. He's like, how is this possible? Elizabeth and I, we are very old. How is this going to happen, right? He goes mute. I don't want to keep telling the whole story, but I'm just highlighting that verse that a prophetic word is given, and someone's getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Now Luke 1.35. Gabriel shows up again to Mary, and he says this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. So again, a prophetic word, and someone's getting filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Luke 1, 41. Now we're talking about Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife. And it says this in verse 41 Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then she prophesies. So again, it's kind of this continuing theme. Luke 1:67. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. And prophesied about his son, John. And then in 176, he prophesied this. Your child will be called, pro- you child will be called the prophet of the highest. So again, he's prophesying, Holy Spirit's coming upon people. I don't know how, but when I read this, immediately I thought of, it says in Joel, which is about 500 years before all this is happening, it says this. Joel says in, in, in chapter 1 or 2, I figured, no, I should know this. He says, In the last days... I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Amen. Do you understand? Jesus showing up, it's the last days of the old covenant. It's the last days of sacrificing a lamb every day or every year for the, for the sins, the remission of sins for Israel. A new covenant is coming into place. And so in these last days in the prequel to Jesus being born, his spirit is being poured out on an old man, on a teenage girl, on a baby yet to be born. His spirit is being poured out on the old, on the young, on male and female. Joel's word is being fulfilled right here in the last days of the old covenant. Then Peter, we know in Acts chapter 2, Peter knows, Peter quotes in chapter 3, he quotes Joel and he says, What you see where the Holy Spirit has been poured out in the 120 in the upper room, he says, This is the last days. Jesus was just here. He just went, He just transcended, He just went up to heaven, right? He just He's, he's gone, so we're in the last days where He poured out His Spirit on all flesh. Can I tell you that we are living in the last days before Jesus' return? And so He's pouring out His Spirit on all flesh. I'm believing that this is that. What I'm reading in the Christmas story, I'm saying, it's here, it's now. It's now. God is and He will continue to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And he wants to prophesy. And I, and I share all this because I think maybe sometimes we're seen as, and we are, I'm not hiding, we're, we're a more Pentecostal, Spirit-filled church, and maybe pastors just trying to extrapolate things. But I just want you to know, this is biblical. It's in the Christmas story. So some people might say, well, you know, that's just for, just for then. And I'm saying, no, in the Old Testament, one person at a time, in all, for 4,000 years of humanity, only one person got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And something is taking place in the Christmas story. Where old and young, male and female, are starting to all get filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're starting to prophesy. It wasn't just one prophet. Now a teenager is able to prophesy. Now an elderly lady is able to prophesy. And we're going to get into some of this. And I love that. And so I just want to tell you, it's biblical to want it. Hmm. It's a good thing. I guess. Let me take a step back. I'm just being honest with you, I, I, I grew up at Osborne, I grew up at another Pentecostal church before I came here, and so for me when I hear just being honest with you, sometimes when I hear people saying, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, what comes to my mind is someone falling down on the presence of God, a powerful moment where it's just personal between them and God, but as I read this, these accounts of someone getting filled with the Holy Spirit, it actually brings joy into people's lives. It actually brings confirmation. It actually brings a calling to this is your purpose in life. It actually brings all these different things where it's, it's not just for one person's own personal edification. It actually is edifying someone else. It's actually building a whole people that Mary's song, hopefully we get to some of it, Mary is prophesying and she saying, it's for all people. What God is doing in me is not just for me. It's to get out of me and, and affect everyone around me. And so the idea is that being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't just this weird, strange thing that Pentecostals do. It's something that happened to Mary. And if it happened to Mary, it must be a good thing. If it happened to John the Baptist while in his mother's womb, it must be a good thing for babies, for little kids to get filled with the Holy Spirit. It must be an okay thing for little kids to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just this weird thing. It's something that's appropriate for everybody. And I love that. And the idea is that I know, I don't want to get really quick, I don't want to go into the weeds or go in a rabbit trail real quick, but I know there's a lot of people when you get into the Pentecostal circles, they'll say that, Um, speaking in tongues is the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we could argue, and I could could verify that, and I could give you all kinds of different things. But I love that in this context, almost every person that's filled with the Holy Spirit, they prophesy. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14, right? He says, you should desire all the best gifts. He says, "I, I believe everyone can speak in tongues. But he says, you can all prophesy. You can all prophesy. Everyone. Oh, in fact, let me find it. I have it somewhere in here. 1 Corinthians 14. Let me find it in my notes. It says this. You can all prophesy so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So can everyone prophesy according to Paul, according to God's word? Yes. And one of the, per- the two purposes listed in that verse is what? So that everyone can learn. Meaning, I'll say it this way. You can learn from prophetic words. I can learn from prophetic words. That's part of what the prophecy is supposed to do. I'm supposed to be educated. I'm supposed to learn something. I'm supposed to be taught something from God's word, from God himself, through prophecy. So I'm telling you, you can learn, everyone, all can learn through prophecy. All can be encouraged. A prophetic word is meant to encourage you or put courage inside of you, put boldness inside of you. And we're going to get to some of these contexts here. But the idea is, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that I can give an encouraging word to somebody. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that I can teach someone what God is actually saying, not just Ryan's cool Sunday school trivia, right? I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that someone else is getting the benefit. It's not just Ryan being filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. I don't know, really quick. I'm just trying to go, making sure I'm hitting this. Why would you, I'm trying to stimulate something in you. Why would you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Some of you, maybe you're good. Like, I'm good. I got Jesus. I'm good. Well, Jesus, if you read about all four Gospels, this was not on my notes, but all four Gospels, right? We just went through which ones talk about Jesus' birth. Some of them skip over all of Jesus' birth. All four Gospels say this about Jesus, when they tell the story about John the Baptist, that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So if you want Jesus, you've got to want what Jesus wants for you. Jesus wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, So I'm just trying to make sure that we're understanding, like Christmas, this cute time of Jesus being a baby. Yes, but actually the Christmas story is about people getting filled with the Holy Spirit. It's about people prophesying. It's about all these things. Yes, Jesus came to save us from our sins. Of course, that's what John the Baptist says. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's so important. But I want the entire story. I want all of it. And so I love that the Old Testament and New Testament, they come together and they say that, yes, when Jesus comes, wherever Jesus is, he comes to bring his spirit. So I don't even know if I have a a title for this morning's message, but the spirit of Christmas, right, is the Holy Spirit. The story of Christmas is people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary had to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order for Jesus to come. In order for someone to prepare the way for Jesus, John the Baptist had to be filled with the Spirit. In order for the church to prepare the way for Jesus' return, the church has to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm just telling you, it's part of the Christmas story. It's not, I, I'm not going to be someone who, who reads the Bible, and there's things in there that I don't like, so I'm like, ah, I'm not going to talk about those things. They're like, ah, I'm not going to read those things. No, I'm going to read everything. I'm going to talk about everything that's in God's Word. I want all of it. And so I love that. So we kind of highlighted some verses really quick. Now, oops, iPad just went away. Get to preach with no notes, maybe. Hey, the other back. All right. So I want to go back and read some of it. I know we're not going to read all 80 verses, but I want to read some of it because we just highlighted a few verses. So, mm, have yeah, we got time. Zechariah. Let's do, let's start in verse 6. I to turn there. Luke chapter 1, verse 6. Let's just do a little context here. All right. So, and they were both righteous before God, Elizabeth and Zechariah. So, verse 6, it says, And they were walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. So, we'll stop there. Again, this is the old, right? The older generation. I, I'm, I think I've stepped into, I'm past my 40 now, so I, like, I'm, I've stepped into the older generation. That's how I view it, at least. i got some gray hairs. Some of you think I'm not old yet, but other of you, like my kids, think I'm really old. Um, I'm in between. But I love this idea that the older generation is meant to hear from the Lord. And they're actually paving the way for Jesus' return. So I hope you hear that I'm always talking about the youth are bringing revival and all these things. The youth are part of what God wants to do. But you need to know that in the precursor, before we talk about Jesus being born, the first people highlighted is the elder generation. They get the very first part of the Christmas story. So if you're old like me or older than me, you're the the precursor, right? You're You're part of the Christmas story. And I love this. As you read this, I don't want to read the whole account. But Gabriel says, I've come... To address the prayers that you no longer pray. In other words, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're so well advanced in years, they know it's impossible for them to have a child. But they had been praying for decades for a child. Fervently, passionately. And they never stopped faithfully walking in the Lord's commandments. They were righteous. They kept doing what was right, even though they didn't get from God what they wanted. But they still trusted God. They still trusted God in their old age. They still trusted God. And I love this. Again, I'm weaving in Sunday School Trivia just because I'm a geek and I love it. Um, It says that he cast lots and it was his turn to go into the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. We don't know for a fact, but most scholars agree. Back in Jesus' time, during Zachariah's time, there would have been thousands of priests. And the way they did is they cast lots. And you didn't know who would go in, but it would be one man... On just for one hour of every day. So one priest for one hour every day would go into the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. So they kind of do the math. Thousands and thousands of priests. It was likely that a priest only one time in their entire lifetime, some priests maybe never got to go into the holy place and burn incense. So this is a big deal. This is a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Zechariah. It wasn't something he did every single day. He was a priest every single day, but this was unique and special. This is the closest to the presence of God he'd ever been in his entire life. His entire life, he was walking faithfully and righteously in the commandments of God, doing everything he was supposed to do. But this day, in his older generation, right, in this older days of his life, he got to get closer than he'd ever been before in the presence of God. I'm saying that's prophetic for everyone in the room that's elderly doesn't matter how old you are doesn't matter how many good encounters you've had there's actually an opportunity for us in our, older, in our older years to get closer to God than we've ever been before and he's there burning incense he's there praying and I love this You can instead of me just reading through the whole verses because we'll, we'll spend the whole rest of the services reading 80 verses it says that while he was in there for, for an hour that the congregation was outside the temple all praying at the same time it was the hour of prayer and they were all praying, and they realized he's lingering in there. It's been more than an hour. Zechariah, what's going on? Like, you're supposed to come out. And when Zechariah comes out, the, the idea is that every day when the priest comes out, he would just spend time with God, and he would come out, and he would give the Aaronic blessing over the congregation. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And so Zechariah finally comes out, well over an hour. And people are like, man, finally. Finally comes out, and he can't say anything. Like, what's going on? So Gabriel, when he's given the prophetic word, Zechariah says, this can't happen. How can this happen? I'm too old. And so the angel says, you know what, for your own good, I'm going to shut your mouth. Because your mouth has so much power. And you can actually abort what God is trying to do. God has a prophetic vision for your life. And if you keep speaking the negative, you keep coming against it, you're actually going to cancel what God actually has planned for your life. And and I get this, there's this idea that God is sovereign and he has plans that no man can, can shut down. I get that. But there are also prophetic words that God has over your life that if you argue with him and you come against him, you can't cancel his prophetic words over your life. It's not one or the other, it's both, it's yes. There's things that God is going to do in your life no matter what and there's things that he will only do in partnership with you saying yes and amen to. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Meaning they're there for us to agree with. If we don't agree with them, they're not ours. Every promise in God's word, I have to agree with and speak it and say, yes, that's mine and bring it into my existence. So there's things that God has prophesied over us that maybe we're speaking against. And so the angel says, you know what? You're not going to talk anymore because I don't want you to come against this and abort it. And so this is important. And they're like, man, Zechariah must have had a vision. And so he's kind of motioning, trying to write things down. And so they go home. He tells Elizabeth, Elizabeth gets pregnant. Right? Which is a miracle. That's the Holy Spirit doing something. Healing an elderly body. I don't know about you, but I've heard stories of some people in our congregation that are elderly, and they need physical healing. And I'm saying, Elizabeth, in her elder, elder age, she got physical healing. So I'm believing for I don't. I will not succumb to, well, that's just part of old age. Everything starts to, to degrade in your body. No, I'm going to say, you know what? Everything is valid to pray over. Every promise of God, it doesn't have an expiration date on it. So just know that if you ever want prayer for healing, don't ever think, well, pastor's just going to think I'm too old to get healed. No, I'm taking God's word at, at his word. It doesn't matter how old you are. He can do a new thing. He can heal you. So I love that. I love that about God's word. All right. So Zechariah, his breakthrough came while burning incense in the presence of the Lord. He'd been a priest all of his life and had prayed thousands and thousands of prayers. But this moment was was different. It was a divine appointment in the presence of God. Hmm. The proximity to the presence of God had a lot to do with his breakthrough. I'm going to say that again. Zachariah's proximity to the presence of God. You know what I'm talking about? The temple, there's the outer courts. There's the holy place, and there's the most holy place that only one man, the high priest, on one day of the entire year could go into that place, the presence of God, right? But priests, like I was just talking about, could go into the most holy place. And so this is his proximity to the presence of God brought his breakthrough. I'm going to say this prophetically over some of you. Some of you, you're praying for something, and that's good, and it's right, and it's biblical. You're doing what you're supposed to do, to keep praying. But some of us, our breakthrough comes when we just spend time in God's presence, Not striving, not asking and pleading. It's just spending time with God. Just feeling His presence, just enjoying who He is. That breakthrough happens. I'm not saying you should stop praying. I'm just saying proximity to His presence brings breakthrough. Hmm. Really quick, I said in verse 10, there was a multitude of people praying outside the church. What if this thought came to my mind as I was reading this? What if what if Zechariah was the only person that had an encounter with God on that day? Everyone else was outside praying, and only one man got a breakthrough. Only one man got the presence of God. What if what if we gathered here today, this Sunday, and only one person got an incredible miraculous breakthrough? Would it be a successful Sunday? Yes. What if you didn't get the breakthrough, but somebody else did? Is it still a successful Sunday? I'm saying I want His Spirit to pour out on all flesh. That's what I'm believing for. That's what I'm going after. But I'm telling you, it is well with my soul as long as one person here gets the presence of God. I will pray for an hour. I'll spend all my week long devoting myself to prayer and preparing a message if one person gets Jesus. It's worth it. It's worth it. All right. So let's move on. So Mary's encounter, Uh, let's go to verse 35. We're skipping a few verses. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Let's read some of that one. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Love that. that is, hopefully that's underlining your Bible. If you have a physical Bible, I know when I grew up as a kid, I never wanted to write my Bible because it's, like, it's the Holy Bible. Like I don't want to put my writing on God's Holy Word. Now, if you look at all my Bibles, there are scribbles everywhere. I, I, it's my journal. I'm underlining things. I re-underline. I re-circle. I, I draw lines to this, pointing to that. I encourage you, mark up your Bibles. And if this one's not underlined, Underline it. It's a good one, right? For with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary's having this encounter with with an angel. She's getting a prophetic word. She's confused, saying the same thing in the same sense as Zechariah. How is this possible? I'm a virgin. How am I supposed to get pregnant if I'm a virgin, right? And he says, with God, nothing is impossible. This is a huge statement in the Christmas story. This is kind of the prequel to Jesus being born, right? But I feel like for maybe some people, this this is the Christmas story, this one verse. (laughs) With God, nothing is impossible. In fact, as I said, underlining in your Bible... Someone needs to write that down. Someone needs to put it on your mirror in your bathroom. Someone needs to to take in ownership of that. As I said, all the promises of God are yes and amen, meaning they're there for Mary. This was said to Mary 2,000 years ago, but it's being said to you today. Are you grabbing hold of that promise and saying, that's mine too. That's my word. That with God, nothing is impossible. I love that, oh, we didn't finish. Let's keep reading. Verse 38. Then Mary said, behold, the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I love that because in Mary's response, there's two things. She says, the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me. I'm a servant. Not my will. Your will be done, God. Whatever you want. It's important when a prophetic word is spoken that we humble ourselves to receive it. I'm going to be honest with you. I think there's been prophetic words spoken into my life that I didn't have the humility to receive it. So they haven't done anything in my life. I'm not pregnant with that prophetic word because I didn't have enough humility to receive it. I think the second thing is, she said it with her mouth, I agree with it. Not only do I humble myself to receive it, I declare it with my mouth, let it be done. You said, angel, you said, nothing is impossible with God. And I'm saying, yes, I agree with that. I am declaring it with my mouth. It's important that we just receive something, that we partner with it and declare it. I think that's important as we're, I I don't know if this is making sense. I feel like I'm talking about the Christmas story, but I'm talking about prophetic words this morning. I just want to give you maybe a little bit more context. I feel like I'm doing a lot of that this morning, but I feel like where we are at as a church, and I say global church before Jesus returns, but I'm saying specifically Osborne. Prophetic words are in our DNA. They're since the birth of Jesus Christ. Since the inception of the church. Prophetic words are part of the church. And I'm telling you, prophetic words are part of Osborne Neighborhood Church's DNA. And they will continue to be, and I'm believing increasingly, prophetic words. Yes, from the pulpit. Yes, from, man, I didn't even get to this yet. Zechariah at the end. He's the professional priest giving a prophetic word. But I love in the Christmas story, it's not just a professional priest giving the prophetic word to the people. It's also a teenage girl. It's also an elderly woman. It's not just men. It's men and women. In fact, if you didn't know this about Luke, Luke's gospel talks about women more than any other gospel writer. He loves including them. When he says that other gospels say Peter was the first one to know that Jesus was resurrected, Luke's like, nah, it was the women. They went to go bring spices. They got there first, right? There's things that Luke just, he highlights the importance of Mary, Right? I'm not Catholic. I don't pray to Mary. But I thank God that we didn't have just Matthew's gospel account. We're just talking about Joseph. I want to know about Mary, that she pondered things in her heart. As I said that, I just feel like going again back to what I said about prophetic words. Mary pondered things in her heart, but she also declared them with her mouth. That's for me, but I think it's for someone else in the room. There's things I ponder in my heart that I, in my quiet time with God, I'm having conversation with God in my heart, in my mind. Like I'm thinking about things. But at some point, I can't leave it a pondering in my heart. At some point, I have to declare it with my mouth. I have to say, no, this is how it is. This is the word of the Lord and it's coming out of my mouth. I know I've shared this a thousand times. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I have to have the the Word of God that I'm pondering and chewing on and meditating on, and I'm like, God, there's life in this, and I'm just chewing on it and meditating on it, and then I finally say, okay, I'm saying the Word of God, and my faith rises as I hear myself say the Word of God. I'm speaking it, and I'm hearing it, and my faith increases. My faith doesn't increase just by me pondering it. Yes, there's something there, it's stirring, but at some point, it has to be delivered. I can be pregnant with something, but at some point, there has to be a delivery, Mary is pondering things. That's so good. But there has to be a delivery. Hmm. This is probably my... I don't know, for me in this week, this is my favorite part, this next section, verse 39. We're, let's just read it. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the whole country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe left in her room and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit then she spoke out with a loud voice and in some translations prophesied saying blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb but why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me for indeed as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears the babe leapt in my womb for joy blessed is she who believed for there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told her from the Lord stop there I don't know why I didn't hear why in this last couple of weeks of reading this story, more things were jumping out to me than I've... I've read this story thousands of times. But things were jumping out. If you didn't catch in the Christmas story, I call it the prequel. The angel Gabriel was giving the prophetic words. He gave it to Zacharias. Angel Gabriel gave a prophetic word to Mary. This is the transition. It says, Mary, it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she prophesied. It was no longer an angel giving the prophetic word. It was a human giving the prophetic word. That's important. And I don't know if you caught it, in a prophetic word, what is she saying? Mary comes in the house, and all she says is, Hello, Aunt Liz, I'm here. That's all she says. Hi, Aunt Liz. And in Mary's voice is also Jesus' voice. She's pregnant with Jesus. Somehow, something is being released. Mary is carrying the presence of Jesus into the household of Elizabeth. Elizabeth doesn't even see Mary, but somehow, something shifts in, in the spirit realm. In the heavenlies, something just happened. The Son of God just came into her household. Completely unaware, all she did is hear her niece's voice, and something happens inside of her. The baby leaps for joy, and she's filled with the Holy Spirit just on that voice. And Elizabeth, I don't know if you caught this, Mary is explaining nothing to her. And if you catches it says, it says, Mary arose in those days and went in the hill country with great haste. Meaning, this is how I read it. As soon as Gabriel leaves, she took off. I don't know, I can't prove her fact, but this is what I believe. I believe she's not told her fiancé Joseph yet. I don't know what her relationship with her parents are. I don't know if she's told her parents, but it says that she took off to go see her Aunt Liz. Somehow she knew her Aunt Liz, and she's like, I know God just spoke to me, and I know it sounds ridiculous. I don't know anyone in the world that would believe me. Maybe, just maybe Aunt Liz will believe me. Crazy Aunt Liz might have enough faith to believe me. And all she does is she walks in the house and say, hey, Aunt Liz. And you see the prophetic word? What does she say? Aunt Liz says this. She's filled with the Holy Spirit, and she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She got a word of knowledge. Mary had said nothing. And Elizabeth says, You're pregnant! And she wasn't like six months pregnant yet. It just happened. Like, if you get pregnant for three days, there ain't no physical sign of you being pregnant. But Elizabeth says, You're pregnant! Do you know what that does for Mary? She is pondering things in her heart. She's struggling. How do I tell Joseph? How do I tell my parents? What is going to happen to me? And she walks into Aunt Liz's room, and Aunt Liz says, You're pregnant! And she's like, Praise God I'm not crazy. Praise God I've got a crazy Aunt Liz who's confirming I'm pregnant before I even have to tell her. I didn't know how to tell her, and she's telling me. Do you see how the prophetic is actually bringing encouragement? The prophetic is teaching Elizabeth something she had no idea yet. They're learning something. Encouragement is happening. And it gets better. Not just are you pregnant. And then what does she say? Blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Wow. Wow. Elizabeth, get the. she understands. Wait a second, Mary. You're not just pregnant. You're pregnant with my Messiah. The son of the living God is inside of you, Mary. How did Elizabeth know that? Because she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And a prophetic word came on her. Mary, you're pregnant. Oh my goodness. It's the Messiah. The one we've been waiting for for 400 years. is in my actual home. Why is so much favor granted to my household that the Messiah is inside my very house? Elizabeth is undone in the presence of Jesus still in embryonic form. I'm telling you this is this isn't just a fairy tale this isn't just a cute Christmas story. This is incredible. It gets so she you're pregnant you're pregnant with the Messiah. And then she goes on this for indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sound in my ears, the babe left inside my womb. I'm believing, I don't know, I can't tell you for a fact, but I'm believing this is the moment that John the Baptist, at six months old, gets filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, he's the one that says, I'm not worthy to unloose his sandals. And he's greater than me. The one that comes after is greater than me. I baptize you with water. But he baptized me with the Holy Spirit when I was in my mother's womb. And he'll baptize you with fire too. I'm believing the presence of Jesus coming into that household, baptized John the Baptist, still at six months old in his mother's womb. I'm telling you, I don't know, this is a freebie, but I believe, according to God's word, babies can get filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't ask permission, so I won't say who, but there are are babies that have been right here that can't even talk. The dad and I recognized that baby saw angels here in the sanctuary. We asked the baby, are you seeing angels? The baby looked up again. There's the angels right there. I don't know what to tell you. That might sound weird and sound strange, but I'm telling you, according to God's word, babies can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Babies can discern things like that baby leaping inside the mother's womb discerned the presence of Jesus. Couldn't see, but could hear. At six months old, babies can hear. They recognize their mom and dad's voice. I believe in that six month old John the Baptist recognized the voice of the Messiah in Mary's voice. Mary was pregnant with Jesus. Jesus was coming out of her. This is, like I said, this is this is the crux of where I wanted to hit this morning. Is is the interaction between Mary and Elizabeth? Elizabeth was six months pregnant with the promise of God. But when Mary, carrying the presence of Jesus, came into Elizabeth's vicinity, that pregnant with promise. Life came on top of life. Can I say it that way? She was already pregnant. Life was already inside of her. But Mary brought the breath of life. And life came on top of life. Mary, I don't know, I have different thoughts about where Mary was at. Because this is me, like it's two sides of the same coin. I think Mary was ecstatic with joy already. But I think Mary was pondering things and wrestling things. How do I tell Joseph? How do I tell my parents? What, how do I do this? Some questions, some worry, some anxiety. She's a, a teenage girl trying to figure it out. And her visiting her aunt who was pregnant with promise brought so much encouragement to her. They were feeding off of each other. They were encouraging one another. They were prophesying over, I promise, we're going to get to it in a second. Elizabeth is prophesying over Mary, and then Mary bursts out with a song. We'll get there in a second. Mary bursts out in a prophetic song. She begins to prophesy. But I think sometimes us being filled with the Holy Spirit won't happen like Zechariah, being alone in the presence of God all by ourselves. Sometimes it comes in partnership with the body of Christ. It comes from encouraging someone else and receiving what they have, but also giving them what you have. All right, really quick. Because I just keep thinking about the way Mary entered that household. I don't think. Like I said, I think it's two sides of the same coin. I think Mary is pondering things. I think she had some anxieties. I don't think Mary came into the household like this. (sighs) Aunt Liz, I don't think that's how she came in. I think she had some of that inside of her. But I think because she was filled with the Holy Spirit, according to the Gospels, says, Gabriel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and overshadow you. And this has already happened. I think she is full of joy. In the presence of God is fullness of joy. I think Mary, although she's wrestling with things, is filled to overflowing with joy. That she's carrying the presence of Jesus. That she came into the household and lives! lives, and lives. And that is what inaugurated the presence of God and caused the baby to leap inside Elizabeth. And I'm sharing that contrast because I just want to be honest with you. The Holy Spirit is pointing out to me, Ryan. This is me just being honest with you. Maybe it's not for anyone else being preached anyone else just for me. Holy Spirit is beginning to open my eyes to see how many situations, how many rooms, how many relationships I have with people. In fact, I... Jose has no idea. But Jose, before service, we went somewhere at a conference, and he said something to me. He's like, Pastor Ryan, I love you. And he said, there was something on you, Pastor. Like You were like startled. And he, he, I, he picked up on something that I was wrestling with something. But I wasn't carrying the joy of Jesus that when Jose said, oh, I love you, Pastor Ryan, that I was so full of joy. I was like, oh, I love you, Jose. And I, didn't, I wasn't carrying the joy of Jesus in that moment. And Jose picked up on it. I'm telling you, Holy Spirit's putting His finger all over my heart where I don't carry the joy of Jesus like I'm supposed to, like Mary. It's not wrong to ponder things. It's not wrong to have things you're, you're wrestling and you're trying to process. But it is wrong to walk in a situation saying, Aunt Liz. That wouldn't have brought the joy of Jesus into that household. I don't know that John the Baptist would have leapt with joy if that's how Mary came into that house. But Mary partnered with the prophetic word. Mary said, let it be done unto me according to your word. Behold the servant of the Lord. Whatever you say, I'll do it with joy. I'll do it with gladness. And with confidence and with strength, she walks into that household, Aunt Liz, and it ushers in the presence of God. I wonder how many of us are pregnant with Jesus, but don't act like it. How many of you ask Jesus into your heart, but you don't carry the joy and the peace of Christmas? And as we're kind of closing up service, and I can have Daniel come up, we're going to close a little differently. I'm not, we're not going to do one last worship song. I'm going to say a prayer we're going to close service and I have a, a, a video song it's actually a newer song that I just recently heard and it doesn't have the lyrics so you're going to have to either listen to it or just spend time in the presence of God and don't listen to anything. Um, but what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because I, I, I feel like I did this in my message I had all these things planned and hopefully the Holy Spirit spoke to you however he was supposed to speak to you. But the, this song the title of it says Why Not Right Now? why not right now? If he did it then, he can do it again. If an elderly woman was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied and brought encouragement to a teenage girl, why not right now? If this young teenage girl that was wrestling with difficulty was able to put on a garment of praise and bring joy and to bring gladness to an elderly woman. Why not right now? If a baby still in his mother's womb was able to leap for joy, then does age make a difference? If I've received Jesus into my life, why am I not filled with the joy of Christmas? If I've received the Holy Spirit into my life, why am I not prophesying? Why am I not encouraging others? Why is the word of the Lord not coming out of my mouth to help other people understand God's word? Why not right now? On a prequel to Christmas, where it's supposed to be all about Jesus' nativity scene, why not... Be filled with the Holy Spirit afresh and anew. So I can actually bring the joy of Christmas everywhere I go. Bring Jesus. I don't have to bring just a gift. I can bring the gift. So I'm going to say a prayer and I'll have you stand with me in the closed service, but Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, this is what I'm saying. I'm hungry for a fresh filling of your spirit. I've tasted. I know what it's like to have the joy of the Lord be my strength. I don't want to do things in my own strength. I want to do things in my own joy. I want your joy. I want your strength. So I'm not going to wait till you return and take me to heaven one day. I'm not going to read the Christmas story and say, it was just for then. Holy Spirit, I'm asking, why not right now? Why not me? So as that Christmas song is sung, be born in me. As Mary said that, be born in me. Jesus I say that to you this morning would you be born in me would you be made alive in me seeds that are dormant, we speak life be born in me be resurrected be fully alive in me leap with joy inside of me may I be the one who brings good news of great joy which is for all people May I be the one as we saying this morning that it's not just for angels to herald. May I be the one that heralds good news. That everywhere I go, my feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. And I'm ready to share. So Holy Spirit, would you endue me with power from on high. May I leave this place different than the way I came in. because I know what it's like for Mary to come into the room carrying the presence of Jesus and it changes everything. I want that for my life. I want Mary's to come into my life. But God, I want to be a Mary in other people's lives. So help. I just avail myself. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Would you stand? And I'm going to say the Aaronic blessing. We're going to finish the service. We'll close the online streaming, and you guys are free to go.